Welcome back. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter, where weekly we go over what uh, is happening in our lives spiritually or what we read in the Bible or anything. We just kind of converse about it. So welcome. You said last week. I wanted to talk about encouragement in the midst of depression. Yeah. Oh, big topic. So yeah, this is a big one. And this is something that I've had no qualms ever sharing about my own mental health struggles. I think it's really important for us to be vocal and vulnerable about where we struggle, uh, whether that is chemical or it's, let's say it's a sin struggle. Uh, Because when when we're sharing that with other people, I think they're able to help come alongside us in ways that hold us accountable, but in a godly way. I mean, obviously, if you're sharing this with an audience that's with a person you can't trust, like if you struggle with something like, say, pornography, mm-hmm. uh, you want to, if you share that struggle, you want to share that with somebody, absolutely, who is going to have your best interests at heart. Sure. Um, but you need to be talking about that with people because when you bring it to light, I believe that helps diminish the dark, right? Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of a physical thing that cannot be helped, a chemical disorder, that's something that I do struggle with. And it's difficult when you are dealing with things in your brain that cannot be helped. And there are scriptures that say, hey, don't be afraid because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then you're like, oh, well, then I shouldn't be fearing. There are certain chemicals in my brain that are imbalanced that unfortunately cause an anxiety in me. And so it's like, all right, how do I deal with that? Along with knowing that there are spiritual battles that I fight as well. And trying to balance that all out is something that will be a lifelong process for me. But I'd just like to encourage you with some things that have helped me along the way. There are definitely struggles that I face that have zero to do with chemistry, right? And it is a spiritual thing. And so there's the physical meets the spiritual meets the mental. You are all one body and it's all connected Mm -hmm. and it can lead you down a dark place from time to time. And I think it all came crashing down a couple of weeks ago. Uh, My son really wanted to be Optimus Prime. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, That sounds awesome. It's a great sentence. My son wanted to be a transformer, Optimus Prime. He asked me to make him a costume. There was this costume contest at a party he goes to every single year at his school in his orchestra. And he's like, mom, it would be epic. I want to be Optimus. Well, the first thing I did, was like, I'm going to go see if somebody else has already made this costume. And? Not price range worthy. Oh, I see. Like if you're a cosplay person, then sure. For $1,000, Optimus Prime can be yours. You needed to start with cardboard. So, I went online, I looked up some different links. Maybe I could make this thing. And I do like to make costumes. Part of my theater background, background I have a, a theater degree. And part of that was sewing costumes. So I really enjoyed that part. I'm like, I could do some hot glue in boxes. We can make this work. Yeah. In fact, I'll be four weeks out from his party. Plenty of time. I'll get this done in two days, in fact. No. How many days? I think roughly 200 hours was put into this thing. Wow. It was a long time. Yeah. And my fingers were burnt from hot glue. Uh, I, I come into work with Carter. I wouldn't say anything, but your fingers hurt. You, <laughs> you're exhausted. It's physically exhausting. Cutting boxes over and over again to reshape them on your 13-year-old son to look like the largest transformer of all the Autobots. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. So all this time put in and you're exhausted because you're also working, you're also momming, you're also wifing, maybe not in that order. You're also trying to stay on top of uh, relationships in general and exercise, throw that out the window a little bit. The food, we can eat meals that get brought to us by DoorDash or Stouffer's. Okay. How about that? Yeah, that's the that's the menu items. Yeah. And you're like, Rochelle, that seems very extreme. I, I, yeah, if you ask me to do something, I'm all in. And that's a positive and a negative. And finding that balance, there's another balance you have to find out in your life. But um, yeah, I can tend to obsess because I have OCD. And I've had to try to have my husband hold me accountable with those things. Say, Rochelle, this is okay. You can let this go. Nobody's seeing inside the costume. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, things you, like that. You wanted the full control panel inside? Yeah, <laughs> he needs to be able to yeah. operate these light <laughs> systems. But uh, here's the humdinger. We get to costume night. He goes to the party. It's an amazing, epic moment. All of his friends surround him. He wins the contest. And then the next day, he's sick with the flu. So all of the other activities that you would do, like trunk or treats... Yeah, that's and out. School. All of it's out. And yeah. We usually get, yeah, he had this idea. I'm going to go into a Burger King and order a Whopper as Optimus Prime. Yeah. And I'm like, that could be a viral moment. And you look insane. It looks so much fun. And so <laughs> none of that happened. And if you walk uh, any date, like within a couple of days of October 31st, you might be able to get away with that. Anytime too long after you, the cops are going to be called if you walk into a Burger King wearing an Optimus Prime suit. I would be curious. I would be curious the <laughs> I'm result. I'm willing I'll to test it. your curiosity. I'll film it. <laughs> so I, when you are exhausted, your body is depleted. That is when it starts to say, all right, you're toast for a while. You're done. And that's when all of the, the dark can come swooshing in. I'm really grateful that I can compartmentalize to the place where I can vocalize. This is what's happening to people that I work with, to the people that I live with. I am dealing with depression right now. I am dealing with exhaustion and tiredness right now. I need to vocalize those things because I need to be a good communicator. And for those people that I have shared that feel I, I can trust to share this kind of stuff with, they know to look out for the signs and and, and also they can extend grace to me in a, in a sweet way because I've shared this information with people. But I heard the most incredible message um, from a pastor and it encouraged me. And if, if you have ever allowed, now that costume, that may feel like a really silly example, but hopefully you can relate it to something else in your life. That in that moment felt important. Maybe it's vitally important. It's not a costume. It's like your finances or, you know, it's it's something of such significant value. Um, you are beyond stressed about. There, there are these moments that God has placed throughout scripture to encourage us. Stories that were left in there that if if they weren't, we should feel alone. But no, no, these were specifically put in scripture. The good and the bad is left in scripture, I think, to bring to help us be able to draw comfort from the stories. Elijah is one of those stories. And it, this prophet was like the superstar. He was, you know, if you were looking for a prophet, 
uh, I want top dollar. Give me the, the greatest of all time. Elijah <laughs> was that guy. And he felt very alone. There's this account where you read about him. And we've talked about it on the podcast where he goes and does this like spiritual battle almost with the prophets of Baal. And it's really not about Elijah versus the prophets. It's it's about God stepping in and saying, there is no competition here. Mm-hmm. This is about me versus all the so-called gods of your time. His people had given their best to these false idols for so long. And Elijah was the guy who stepped up and said, that's enough. And so there's this incredible moment. If you don't know about it, ah, oh, you have got to look it up. In a nutshell, he goes to this Mount Carmel and it's this great grand area where people would have had a, a wonderful, like if you've been to a stadium, your favorite stadium, and you've got just the best view of your team, playing their best game. <laughs> it's like that that area, everybody had a good seat. And uh, Elijah's like, this is the place where God is going to, to show his stuff. And his people are going to recognize, oh yeah, that's why we serve God. Mm-hmm. Because all this other stuff is fake. So everybody's got a, a front row seat, as it were. And the prophets of Baal, they get up on this mountain and the goal is, is to bring fire down on the altar. And there's two altars, one to the true God and one to Baal. And Elijah said, I propose that whoever gets fire on their altar, I mean, that's going to be the real God, isn't it? And Baal's prophets all day out there trying to get Baal to light that thing up. And Elijah's even like having fun at their expense. Like maybe he's in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what he's doing. (laughs) Call louder. He's asleep. No fire, no nothing. And the people are watching this. All these people who had been sacrificing to Baal, all the false idols of the time, they've been, they've been doing their due diligence to try to, I don't know, win the favor of these gods, are seeing firsthand nothing. And then when Elijah goes over to the, the altar that's set up to the true God, and he puts the 12 stones in place, one representing each of the tribes, that had forgotten the name of their true God. Uh, He also calls down fire. And this is after dousing it in very precious water. Water, it's been a drought. So it's precious, valuable stuff that he's dousing the altar. That got their attention. And then calls down, he said, God, show your people. And it's like not even, (laughs) the, the fire not only takes up the sacrifice, but takes up the stones and laps up all the water. It's just like like a giant burnt yeah. spot probably after it's over. And then the people are like, no. And he tells them, grab, grab the prophets. And he kills them all. People, do you see your God? And now they see. So he's had this epic moment. And then he goes and runs a marathon. I think it's literally just over a marathon, like 27 miles. Because they have, um, they've distanced the cities where he runs from and to. And by the way, First time I ever heard that story, I was in like seventh grade. Yeah. Because it's like one of those, like you- Which one? The the the, the, the prophets. prophets. The, the prophets of Baal. Yeah. And you think that you've heard all the Bible stories. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to one where, all right, this is youth group. Mm-hmm. A little edgier. And yeah. they tell that. I was blown away the first time I heard that. And it may even make you go, oh my goodness, should, should he have done that? And you know, our Western culture's sensitivities, that feels super harsh, right? I thought it was awesome. He killed all those guys. Well, those, that part, yeah. <laughs> all those guys, he killed all those prophets? 
Yeah, those guys were helping sacrifice babies. Yeah. Those guys were, yeah. do, they were influencing people into this deep, dark, spiritual junk. It was all satanic stuff. It, it was not good. It was, uh, it was, and I don't even know, I'm sure they did share that part, but it was just the, the competition and yeah, the mocking. <laughs> and I was sitting there in seventh grade going, yeah, this is epic. Yes. And uh, yeah, just, it's, it's one of those stories you don't forget. And you would come out of that moment feeling pretty good. And Elijah did. I sure. really think he, off the momentum of something like that, that's how he ran 27 miles. He ran in front of the chariot that was um, holding the, the king. Because Ahab was the only one there. Apparently Jezebel didn't want to show up that day. I don't blame her. All our prophets got killed. Anywho. Uh, but he runs up in front of the chariot. So he's faster than the horses. That's what it says he got there before Ahab did. It's crazy. And then he falls into this deep, dark depression. How does one go from being in a really great place to somewhere that low? And perhaps you can totally relate to that. You came off of a giant event that took up all of your energy. Um, you've been praying for a certain individual in your life and, and finally they've accepted the Lord. This is the time where the enemy now, I think, tries to sneak in and tries to tell you what you're worth or not worth. Mm. I, it's always those high moments. You go from the highest high to the lowest low. And Elijah was met with food. So he takes a nap. He wakes up and it says an angel gave him food, some bread, some water you need to eat, drink. His journey's long before you. He goes back to sleep, wakes up. Again, there's a meal, eats, drinks, and then he goes for another pretty long walk. He's doing a lot of walk. He looks real good. He's pretty slim. Mm -hmm. He's the slim prophet Elijah. <laughs> but he gets to the same place, Mount Horeb, as, as Moses was met by God at this mountain. And maybe that's the significance there. Maybe he wants to seek out what his past ancestor sought out, which is truth, talking with God. And it says he went into the cave right there on this mountain. And God's words to him were, because after Elijah gets there, he gets into the cave and he literally says, take me out now. I don't wanna live anymore. I'm done. There's nobody else out here besides me who believes in you anymore. And God's word to Elijah was, come out of the cave and stand on the mountain. I've dealt with days where I don't want to get out from under the covers. Um, I don't want to put one foot in front of the other. I march forward because I, I tell myself, you need to do this for your health, for your children's health. But that's because I, again, I've worked through mental health problems to know that's the place where I'm at. And these are the steps I need to take in order to get out of that funk. And so Elijah's instructions from God were to get out of the cave and stand on the mountain. And he challenges Elijah's thought that he's the only one. He says, no, I'm not done with you. There's more stuff we need to get done. His apprentice, his Padawan is Elisha. I don't even know if they've met at this point, but he tells him, I want you to go and I want you to bless. Elisha, he's going to be your protege. You'll be his mentor. Uh, there's some other people I want you to, to exchange conversations with. And in fact, you're not the only one. And he reveals to Elijah, there are thousands more, in fact, 
that still bend, that did not bend their knee to the God Baal, but bend their knee to me. And it was just encouragement, you're not alone. So the sweetness of this moment between God and Elijah, it's not harsh. Elijah's not met with reprimand. He was met with food. Mm-hmm. He was met with encouragement. Get out of the cave. I can just see the daddy with his son. Come on, honey. Come here. Come sit on my lap. Come here. And I'm going to tell you a story. I don't leave my people alone. You are never alone. It's the same story and the same truth that Jesus reveals to his disciples right before he goes to heaven. You are never alone. I'm always with you. And so the encouragement from that story, and we we see so many, I mean, Moses gets distraught. David goes through dark times. Paul shares about the struggles that he had uh, in, in visiting certain places and Oh, words cannot even describe. He said, I think it was in 1 Corinthians, one of the Corinthians, um, words cannot describe the torment that we went through. If that sounds like mental anguish, yeah. Mm. You Being thrown into prison after being beaten to a pulp, it's all connected, physical, mental, spiritual. It's all connected. And God wants to address each of those parts of you. And I think sometimes we throw a scripture at it to say, well, we don't have to live under that oppression because of the freedom we have in Jesus. That's true. But you also have to, you have to inform your oppression. You have to understand what is this connected to? Is this something that can be helped with a therapist's help? help me to have tools in my toolbox to to figure this stuff out. And then also, all right, now I need to figure out if this is connected to, Lord, am I connecting to you in scripture daily? Is this a spiritual thing? And there's so many parts to who you are. And to dismiss any one of those parts by just throwing a scripture at it. Jesus was very precise when he shared scripture with the enemy that day in the desert. And he came tempting Jesus. He had very specific scriptures to connect each of those temptations with. Mm -hmm. And I just want to make sure, Lord, I'm connecting the right things to what I'm struggling with as well. I don't just want to throw something at it. And I I know there's a a lot of well-intentioned people that have given me verses over the years. Don't think I have never read those verses over and over and over and over and over again in my life when I've been dealing with obsessive thoughts. Because I have, but it did take medication. It did take talking with a therapist. It has helped over the years to talk with people openly about where my struggles are mental health wise and also my own spiritual problems and in dealing with when the physical comes into that because I've taken on too much. Mm -hmm. It's all connected. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. You can psych yourself out with with anything, but with when we have deadlines in life. And um, what I'm going to share, what we've been going over in Sunday school ties in actually, uh, even with that Old Testament story. Um, But my dad uh, has a classic story about when he was in college and he met this uh, individual named Slap Fight. Obviously, that was a nickname. Um, That's a horrible thing. Slap fight was in laser face. He was a laser face. Taser taser face. face. That's what it was. And uh, slap fight was an individual that it was one of those, you know, a guy that's your roommate's roommate's friend. 
or your friend's roommate's friend or whatever. Yeah, you know? I'm already stressed listening to this story. So. And, and so the slap fight was a thing they did at the time, maybe now, I don't know. Just two guys, usually it's single guys that have nothing better to do. They put their hands up uh-huh. by their face like a boxer, open-handed though. And then you just try to slap each other in the face. Whoever actually slaps, because you're also blocking. So whoever yeah. slaps the other one in the face first wins. This is things that, these are... Yeah, I'm glad I'm a girl. Yeah, yeah, you should be in some situations. You're definitely more intelligent. Uh, but th- that's how my dad knew him because that's all this guy ever wanted to do. And my dad saw him only in the context of hanging out. And it was one of those like, do you even go to class type of people? <laughs> well, you laugh, but Slap Fight it had never enrolled. Oh, I thought so, you were going to go opposite with me. Like Slap Fight had an IQ of 189. So- <laughs> Are you familiar with MIT? <laughs> Slap fight. No. He never enrolled. So he never enrolled, unfortunately. Okay. Um, are you familiar with Goodwill Hunting? <laughs> <laughs> the chalk How do you equation. Like them yeah, yeah, I like the medals. Um, so my dad sees this, and that was the thing. It was all all semester long. That's all this dummy ever wanted to do. Mm. He was, you know having food every time he was anywhere. He was hanging out. He was never doing homework. He never had to study. He never had to go to class. And my dad realized this when about three weeks before the semester ended, my dad didn't know him that well, but he said, Hey, slap fight. I mean, he looked, he looked at me. He looked as white as a ghost slap fight. What's going on? Oh, it's coming. The semester's coming to an end. My parents sent me off and gave me this tuition money and room and board money. And I never enrolled. What? And I'm, I'm going home and they're going to find out. He but used all of his money on the... Blew all of his money. <gasps> I mean, all of it on food oh, and hanging out and slap fighting. They're going to be slap fight when he gets home. There's going to be slap fight later. <laughs> so he said to my dad, he said, uh, I'll be back though. Uh, I won't, It may not be in the next semester, but I'll be back. My dad never laid eyes <laughs> on slap fight again. <laughs> and it was clearly I'm like you... sorry, that's so sad. What if Slap Fight gets a hold of this podcast? Well, I would be curious where he is now. I want to know where you are, Slap It's a where are you now story. And, uh, you know, he had to have warnings, right? His parent, he, I'm sure he talked to his parents on the phone. How's class going? It's fine. Yeah. So, you know, his roommate, aren't you going to class? Don't, you know, a, a couple weeks in, don't you think you should enroll? Yeah. Like, that's why you're here. What do your parents got to say? And... We were going over actually the book of Second Kings in Sunday school, mm-hmm. which ties into this story. This whole Kings was actually written as one big book in the Old Testament. I get it. I'm going to go as simple as I can because I get it so confused with all of the chronicles and the people and where are they now? Well, and who's a lot who. of them cross over. The stories are very. Yeah. yeah. And they cross over, right? Yeah. So it's like picking up here, even though it's a different book, it's the same group of people. And so Kings was written in, in one big old book, <laughs> but it all culminates, I mean, it's just, it's warning after warning, after warning, after warning, after warning. The, the end is near, if you will, because you people, my people are worshiping Baal. Yeah. The prophets are sent as these warning, these trumpets, if you will, of, Hey, God is going to act and Israel will be destroyed. If you don't turn from worshiping other gods. What I have read when I've read these accounts, it's mind-numbingly. It's like if you put your hands down and let slap fight just go at your head. <laughs> Reading account after account, because you'll have one king out of 20 that actually 
tried to clean things up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then his son went right back to doing the bad stuff. Yeah. So it's back and forth and back and forth. And you start to see, you know what? God is merciful, but his mercy has a shelf life. And why it's so hard, I think, to look at that and go, and I, I looked at the, the Bible Project as a great source. I know you, you've like enjoyed the Bible Project. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, the kingdom, and I get all this confused too, but the kingdom of Israel at this time is actually split into two. Mm -hmm. So there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, one of which is named Israel mm -hmm. and the one of which is named Judah. And of the 20 kings during the book of Kings of northern, uh, the northern kingdom, Israel, mm -hmm. zero for 20 have a good rating. Yeah, they're not good. That's where Ahab came from, by the way. Yeah, the guy that was yeah. doing the thing and the the, the Bale prophets Ahab and all that. Ahab was in the northern kingdom. And in the southern kingdom, eight of 20 kings <laughs> had a good rating. <laughs> Not going well during this time for the would Israelites, you, Would right? you go to that restaurant? I know, right? Eight of 20. Eh, we're doing all right. And so what I think is hard when we read anything in the Bible, especially during this time, we read it in a few lines <laughs> or a few chapters. Yeah. And we go, duh, duh. <laughs> Clean it up, duh. Yeah. But it's so long. Yeah. This is generation after generation after generation. You're talking about the Lord being merciful, and he is. So that means that, you know, it's like it, like the phrase, Judah fell not long after uh, Israel, uh -huh. right? So Israel fell first, yeah. and then Judah fell not long after. Like 130 yeah. years, okay? Yeah. So it's one of those, like, your crazy grandpa is warning you about what's going to happen, what's going to happen to your generation. Mm -hmm. You saw what happened to Israel, and then you go, that was like 90 years ago. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And so it, because it's so long, and mm -hmm. that's how sin can work, it can creep in. And so one of the things that we talked about is that these people were the ultimate, you think about your own family, mm -hmm. the ultimate do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. You know, even like Solomon was one of the, and he kind of turned bad kings. Yeah, no, he did turn. He makes me mad. He was the son of David and it starts off great. But the the book of Ecclesiastes is kind of his reflection on life. And so even his future sons and grandsons, though, did as he did, not as he said. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And how important is our example of commitment mm -hmm. and not our empty words to our children? Yeah, and, you know, when, when we're old enough, regardless of our upbringing, because we, we may have grown up with bad examples, yeah. but when, when we are old enough, we are confronted with the truth and we have a choice. Do I continue in the ways of my father, whatever bad example was there to raise me, or do I start right here fresh and new and drop all the things that weigh me down, the sin that entangles me? Mm. And I can often use my upbringing is an excuse or my surroundings as an excuse. And ultimately you look at all of these um, examples and they had a choice. They had a choice they to start did. fresh, eight of which did. Yeah. And they could have followed God, but instead they used bad examples as an excuse of, well, I'll just follow in their ways too. I think it's interesting too, the, the breakup. I wonder what happened. So I was just recently sharing this with my kids because you say names like Hezekiah and you see their eyes glaze over. Oh man, I know. But yeah, Hezekiah, me too, honestly. Hezekiah yeah. was a good guy, right? He did a lot of good stuff in the last 15 years of his life, weirdly enough, were those allotted to him by God, but it wasn't God's best. That's the vibe I got. Like he gets sick. He's told you're going to die soon. He begs Isaiah, please talk to God for me. I want to live longer. And he's promised 15 more years. But those last 15 years, 
he's kind of a selfish guy. You see that he, prophet warns him, there's a lot of bad stuff coming your way. It won't happen during your reign. He's like, well, that's fine. Cause it's not going to be, I won't be here for it. It's like, what a great King thinking about the future. Way to go. Thumbs up. That's like when people litter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, somebody else will get it. But Hezekiah, for the most part, was pretty good. His son, Manasseh, total jerk. Just He was like the worst. He was pretty bad. And then Josiah. Josiah became king when he's eight years old. Josiah rocked. Like they said, nobody ever attempted to try to follow the law as much as that king. When he found out that they were all messing up and like, this is what God wants us to do. Oh my word, he must be so mad. Do you realize that he tore down altars that Solomon had built to uh, idols. Hmm. All these years later, Josiah finally, like some of them tore down some of them, you know, good. But Josiah, it doesn't mean he was without fault, but I don't know. It's like, what happened? It kept skipping a generation. They saw how stupid their dad's actions were. And so they decided not to, I I don't know. I I think it's something that I brought up a couple of weeks ago because I know I do this. I don't think I'm alone in it where I can start to coast because somebody that has more authority than me or somebody that's just a, a better, uh, more holy, better Christian than me, at least in my mind, uh, like a pastor. Yeah. Oh, I I saw them the other night mm-hmm. and they were doing this. They were drinking too much or they were talking, you know, bad to somebody. Something unconventional. And and then and then I go, well, so-and-so does it. Uh, I guess I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking too much at others instead of to God- it's easy to be swayed that way. It's like if you get pulled over yeah. when you're speeding and the you just had three people pass by you going 90. Yeah. But you're going 80 in a 70. Mm-hmm. And you get pulled over. And of course, what is going to be anybody's, may, maybe what they say, at least what they feel. You pulled me over? <laughs> Did you see those guys going on 90 and 100? Yeah. But you were speeding. Right. You broke the law. I'm not talking to those other guys. That's that. I'm talking to you. That they're not the standard, the law is the standard. And so mm. we have That's a good line. That, that's what it is. I follow scripture. Scripture is the standard. Yep. Jesus is the standard. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, with a relationship with him, I can yes. be made perfect. Yes. So it's not like I follow all these rules, mm-hmm. but still when it comes to acting out my faith, I don't follow other people. Mm-hmm. I, I follow, follow God. I follow Christ. Yeah. I, I also a line that you said in there earlier about how that's what sin does. It creeps in. I was watching a Star Wars show. Okay. And in this show, the rebellion is wanting to act, but the leader of the rebellion is feeling nervous about it. I don't know if this is the right time to do it. And there's somebody who kind of takes it into his own hands, an act of rebellion and does it without the leader's knowledge. And she's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. I don't think it was the right time to do it. And he said, it's getting to the place where we don't even realize. He said, the empire has us by the throat, but we are getting used to its choke. Mm. And I was Mm. like, oh, that's good. I'm so used to something that I don't even realize, like a slap fight. You know, he had all the warnings probably from his family members. Hey, how's it going to school? So he's feeling that that tug on his conscience. Oh yeah, that's their money. But you keep suppressing the yeah. choke. You don't even realize after a while that you're choking. Yeah, and that's that's lifestyles of sin, right? Right. Um, and by the way, I want to say seriously, last week, that's a great one of, we don't even know what it is anymore. 
Alicia mm. Childers as our yeah. guest talking about what is true Christianity compared to what may be trendy and out there. You're so or, used to it. Or you're so yeah. used to hearing it. Um, but I got one more funny story then with, with just like the slap bite thing. I, I realized that I had an example. Oh, okay. I was in high school. And when I went to high school, smoking was, was out. Nobody was, yeah. I know people did, went to high school at different times and maybe a lot of people smoked back so in the day. So vaping was a thing? Even no, then? no, 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 no. Vaping wasn't really, really around yet. Okay. No. Okay. And smoking was, was not, not a thing. Way to make me feel old. At all. Yeah. A so, lot of people, there was a smoker's hole, everything. Yeah. Right. And so we were hanging out one night and it was actually for a school thing. Juniors and seniors got together to shoot this video for this production. I can't remember. So Kenny is a guy, I didn't know that well. He was a year older than me. And we all pile up in his car and he's like, I think he asked, he's like, does anybody want a cigarette? And we, I mean, I was like, who smokes? <laughs> like, and, and he, and he started smoking and I didn't think much about it. Just like, this is odd, but I didn't think much about it. Yeah. And then we were like, Kenny, I, I'm surprised you drive a Suburban. This is a big car for, you know, you know, a whole lot of people. And he goes, oh, it's my mom's car. And I was like, oh, okay. Apparently his parents don't care about him smoking, you know? And then a little bit later in the conversation, you know, he puts a cigarette out and he's like, hey guys, roll down the windows uh, because uh, uh, my parents don't know I smoke. <laughs> <laughs> then don't smoke in their car, you dummy. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, You're going to get caught. Hold upholstery. <laughs> it will absorb into its fibers that scent. All right, thank you. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and we'll see you next week.